We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 229. Our guest today is founder and CEO of luxury equestrian luggage, handbags, and accessories, Tucker Tweed, for over 10 years now. She has become a good friend of mine, and we have worked together for many of those years, but I wanted to hear more about her story, how she got to where she is today with Tucker Tweed, how she comes up with her ideas, and what's to come. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Jill Tweedy. I feel like we've been working together for a long time now, especially over at My Equestrian Style. And so it's about time you're on the podcast. Definitely. You have grown. It's been fun to watch you grow. We've been growing at the same time. Yep, absolutely. Um, Well, amazing. Well, I would love to hear how you first kind of found yourself in the equestrian world. Probably the same route that a lot of other young girls took. uh, My father introduced me to a horse when I was four. He took me to a friend's farm and um, I rode a quarter horse named Katie and it was, that was it. I was hooked. And so from four until 13, I was taking riding lessons and riding other people's horses and showing other people's horses and begging for a horse. And then by 13, my parents, finally, I wore them down. They bought me my first horse. And that was a, a big athletic quarter horse named Fairfax County. And um, Fairfax and I did hunters and then we did jumpers and then we wound up fox hunting. And then by the time I was in, I got to college, my parents said, choose the horse or college. I chose college and sold the horse to a friend. So I got to keep riding him. So it all worked out. Um, so that's how I started out riding and I've continued. I ended up buying Tucker um, 12, well, 14 years ago now. Uh, I was actually out of the saddle for a bit, but um I bought Tucker uh, 14 years ago and then another guy two years ago. So uh, at least in between. So I've, I've been a lifelong horse girl. And even when I didn't own horses, I was riding others. So I've tried to be in the saddle as much as possible. So obviously horses are a big part of your life and definitely at the root of your business. But before we kind of get into how you started Tucker Tweed, tell me a little bit about the name. So... My last name is Tweedy. His name is Tucker. So I dropped the Y because Tweed has a bit of an English connotation and it reminds me of, um, you know, the early hunt coats were made of Tweed. So um, I combined his name and mine together and there we go. And I added equestrian so that everyone would know it was an equestrian brand. So cool. Love it. I mean, obviously you've had some other horses in your lifetime. Why Tucker for the name of your brand? You know, it was all about timing. And I'm sure you've seen that as your business has grown and and you've been on this journey with my equestrian style. It was all about timing. I actually went on a trip with some girlfriends that inspired this entire thing. And when I went on the trip, I owned Tucker. And I'm a fan of alliteration. And somehow I knew I wanted to be personal and I needed for him to, I wanted him to be a part of the story. I have a son whose name is Tanner Tweedy. I, I love alliteration. And you even see that in the names of some of our products. So it just felt like he's part of my story. And 
I couldn't do it without him. And I kind of did it partially for him. So he had to be part of the name. And of course, here he is large and proud behind me, <laughs> along with my new guy, Corey. Oh, so cute. I don't know if I've told you, but I have a Tucker in my program right now. Yeah. The little the little white pony is Tucker. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, he's adorable. But I remember when we first started leasing him, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to tell Jill this because we have another Tucker. But tell me, tell me a little bit about Tucker and his personality and what you're doing with him right now. So he is 23 now. When I bought him, um, he's an appendix. He was an inventor. Um, I fell in love with his personality because it's huge. He's like the Houdini in the barn. He's the one who will turn on the lights at night and turn on the fan. Someone comes in the morning, fans on, lights are on. He has been known to let himself out and walk around the barn at night and even got into a tack room at one of the barns where I was boarding several years ago. He's my, he's a quite mischievous that way. So he has a very unique personality, which I like. I like a horse that engages. Um, he will touch you. He has to make contact with you. Um, but between the personality that was quite dynamic and the fact that he was a fearless jumper, like he refused nothing. Hmm. Um, that's what that's what let me know he was mine. You know, when I, and in fact, I actually tried him twice before I bought him. He came from an eventing barn, uh, Aaron Lee eventing in um, Sanford, North Carolina. And I went back to get him twice and I actually took him into the woods by myself. He dropped his head, relaxed completely by himself, relaxed. And I thought, wow. this is my guy. And we had already jumped a lot. So um, fearless, bold, very athletic. Um, I did retire him. Earlier than I would have liked, I had to retire him at 14. He has a bone spur in his coffin joint. And, oh, you know, we, we did inject for a while, but ultimately the injections didn't help. And he has a, a very up personality and he needs to be worked before he's ridden. But then if you work him, he's sore. And so you end up with this terrible cycle. So the decision was made to retire him. In fact, I made the decision twice. I had to pull the shoes off the second time to make it permanent because I just didn't want to give up riding him, mm -hmm. but it was the right thing to do. He is 23 today and retired and in the field of a dear friend of mine. He's boarded with my friend in Catawba, who is um, 25 minutes north of where I am. Oh, amazing. So you can still pop in and see him whenever you want. Absolutely. I am dedicated to, and I feel grateful that I can do this, but he has a lovely retirement. I go to see him and my friend Elizabeth uh, once a week. I spend, you know, I go there for several hours every week. And interestingly, you know, I've, I learned a lesson about him that almost parallels to people. He is not warm and fuzzy. He's not an in your pocket kind of guy. He'll touch you, but he's not affectionate. He doesn't want to be hugged on and loved on. He'll poke you, but he doesn't stick around. But I have found in all the years that I've owned him that if I spend too much time away from him, he stops eating. Wow. That's his way of letting me know. And I, I shared that with my trainer, Danielle, because I was saying, you know, he doesn't show you he loves you, but he does. I even had him vet checked the last time this happened. And the vet finally said, Jill, he is dependent, codependent on you. Wow. So, yeah, interesting guy. So uh, he does love me. Wow. <laughs> That's a funny way of showing Wow. Yeah. That's, he's, and he's special. Very. Um, I recently retired a special one and ha was able to get, you know, he was able to retire with a friend of mine that I um, help 
uh, train her off the track thoroughbred right down the road. It's like 10 minutes away. So I get to go see him all the time, which is, I think, it, I mean, one of the hardest things What is you know, you're, you try to find a good place for your horse to retire. And there were some other ones and a friend of mine um, outside of Seattle. And I'm like, it all sounds great, but that's way too far away. And I feel like I'd never see him again. And so it worked out so nicely and it really like made the process easier for me and for him. I think that I still get to see him, you know, a couple days a week. So it made all the difference in the transition. Sure. You need that. I, I think, I'm grateful you have that time and that, that location that you can still be connected to that special horse. Totally. Absolutely. Well, let's dive into Tucker Tweed. Tell me a little bit about what made you, you know, initially start your brand. I was invited to a weekend trip with some girlfriends. It was a trip called women of faith. It's um, a neat conference that goes on around the country and Christian speakers and leaders and musicians. It's just a, a great weekend, uplifting, encouraging weekend. And a group of women had invited me. They showed up to pick me up. They all had matching overnight bags, really cute stuff. I had my typical horse girl luggage, practical, black, discreet, just nothing special. And mm-hmm. so I asked my husband for horse luggage for Christmas and there wasn't any. And he, he did give me a nice piece of luggage, but it was just canvas and, and leather. But he was able to find a travel tag to go with it that had a harness on it. But that was it. There just wasn't anything there. Um, and after Christmas, we had some time away and we're walking. And he said, if I could have found the type of luggage that you envisioned that you wanted, what would it have looked like? And I told him, he said, don't you think other women want that too? So he's an entrepreneur. (laughs) He's owned several businesses. My father was an entrepreneur. So someone kind of spurring you on in a way is, uh, and and saying, hey, this product isn't out there. What are you going to do about it? That's not unusual in my world. I've Mm -hmm. seen people act on a need. So um, the recession was starting the next year. And, you know, I, I wanted to create luggage. And in fact, I spent about six months researching to create luggage, horse luggage. Prices were a little high. Then the recession began. People aren't traveling. If they are traveling, they're not buying luggage. Think about luggage. When you buy it, it's durable. You don't have to replace it hardly ever. And so um, I kind of took a half halt on creating luggage. I was looking at pricing of luggage. It was coming in high. People aren't traveling. So I took a half halt on luggage. And I just thought, let me just wait and think about this. If you know me, you know, I'm very slow to make decisions. I'm very methodical. I think things through, I marinate in concepts and marinate in big decisions. So I kind of paused in the following year, the world equestrian games were in Lexington. And my husband and I went to the games and we're walking through the horse park. Interestingly, it's a lot of women, (laughs) a majority of women, Uh, women like you, they're carrying gorgeous purses high to low as far as value purses and not a single purse that I saw in the horse park had a horse on it. And people spent, women spent a fortune to be there. Such a big deal. And I'm walking around and I said to my husband, there's not a horse on anyone's purse. This is my market. This is where I should start. It was again, another aha moment. And so uh, six months later, we had the first solid prototype for our first purse, which we named the Lexington. Tell me a little bit about, do you have like a specific piece that is like your favorite or near and dear to your heart? How do you go through the process of coming up with new items in your lines? 
Well, the first one, the Lexington was stunning and we did uh, retire her last year. I wanted a large purse, um, had a Prada like feel to it. Very quality leather, quality hardware, luxurious interior. That's what I started with and I loved that. But I, each purse that we've done since then has filled a need, either a need that another woman brought to me and said, hey, Jill, have you ever thought of, and I just stop and I become a sponge when someone opens a conversation with that. So it was either a woman brought it to me or I'm going to be traveling. I want a backpack on my shoulder, like different needs in my life. So there's been a merging of other women's input and also mine. And sometimes the timing is just right for a certain purse. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, I don't know if I've ever shared this before, but it seems like each time a solid prototype arrives where I say to myself, okay, it's good. It's perfect. I wouldn't change a thing. It seems like my husband and I've always had a road trip and I will get the purse like within days of leaving. And I will literally have that purse on my knees for a four hour drive in the car, just staring at it, (laughs) you know, just going, I can't believe we did it. I can't believe it. Just looking at it, feeling it, just Mm. kind of taking it all in. Oh, so cool. I love it. I love your backpacks. I think they're one of my favorite things. Um, besides, I mean, besides the wallets, I think that they are, that that's also such a staple and um, such a great, almost like intro piece for people to, you know, kind of get to know you as a brand. But the backpacks, I think are just next level. I love my backpacks and I try to make any excuse to carry mine around, but I feel like I've, they're, they're so, it's such a great size that like it very easily fits my laptop and things if I want to like go out to like a Starbucks and get some work done. But I've also like, you know, it's a great bag to just take on the plane with me if I'm going to, if we're going to go try horses or, you know, go on a little weekend trip. Um, I just feel like it's so versatile but something about a backpack is just, I think it aligns with the equestrian lifestyle so nicely. Thank you. I love seeing it on you. Yes. I love it so much. And it's also, it's hard. Backpacks are hard because I think the tendency is to, if not made properly, that the tendency is like to overfill them. And if the straps aren't secured in the right way, I feel like very often, you know, you'll have like a strap break or like, you know, something go wrong in the, depending on what your hardware is. So what's like your process as far as, um, do you make a sample and try it out for a while? What, What do you do? I do. I totally do. In fact, sometimes if I have more than one prototype, I'll hand it off to someone in our staff to um, kick around. And I tell them, be rough on it, be rough on it. Try to put six months worth of wear on this purse. And honestly, I kind of enjoy handing it off to others because I have a hard time beating my things up, but that's really what they need. Yeah. But I do, you know, just for example, you know, something tiny that I've been carrying, and this is just a small thing, but I, had someone asked me if I would create one of those um, cell phone wallets that attach to the back of your cell phone. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we're probably going to put on our website at some point, but I've been kicking one around. Here it is. I've had Ooh. it on here for about six months and I've just been giving it a try and it's perfect. So to answer your question, I do. I have to test drive everything because I, I have to admit, I've told uh, two manufacturers, two primary and four in general, but I've told them, you know, horsewomen expect a lot of leather. We're tough on our stuff. And I think our products need to be dirt more durable than the average handbag just because we expect more. So I do definitely give them a workout. <laughs> 
I think that that I think that makes a lot of sense. I think just because a lot of our stuff and you know our tack is such high quality leather, and we see and you know what it goes through, you know, with weather and with wear and where, I mean, I feel like for maybe someone who isn't an equestrian, they have a leather piece and they're like, oh, let me like bubble wrap this. Like I won't let it like touch the ground. And it's it's different for us horse girls. Exactly. We're tough on our stuff, but that's okay. You know, we have a very active lifestyle and I want this product to fit right into it. Totally. Absolutely. I don't know about you, but I think I spend more time focusing on my animal's nutrition than my own. Since 1985, with roots dating back to 1842, Pro has been committed to providing high-quality, nutritionally wholesome feeds, supplements, and treats for your animals. As a company comprised of animal lovers just like us, Pro understands the desire to provide your animals with the very best. Their passion is happy, healthy pets, and they are the trust partner in providing just that. If you haven't checked out ManaPro before, make sure you do. Their website is manapro.com, M-A-N-N-A-P-R-O.com. I get all of my treats there. My horses absolutely love them, but they have other stuff for other animals, not just for horses. So make sure you go check them out. They are absolutely incredible. So thank you so much, ManaPro. All right, let's get back to the episode. You're celebrating 10 years of business. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Congratulations. What a huge milestone. Thank you. Looking back over your 10 years, what would you say is, has been like a high point or like a big pivotal moment? And what would you say was one of your biggest challenges or learning moments that you faced? It's interesting. It's kind of gone in really nice waves. There hasn't been hasn't been, you know, an obvious high moment. There's just been so many great moments, just like all the relationships that I formed, like with you, like with other women in the equestrian world and men too. The relationships, my husband told me early on, he said, these are, these people will become friends. And he was right. And that has been a highlight, having the opportunity to do collaborations with companies like Arista and Ronner, and then individuals. You and I did a collaboration on a a color, and we pulled in other women's ideas for colors. Um, That was a high point. Um, And the only low points, honestly, like the challenges that I've faced as a business have been things that I think most businesses face. Um, Delays in shipping, having a hard time sourcing an exact color of the leather that, that I want, things that aren't that serious. It's not, you know, they're not that serious at the end of the day, but the, the challenges I faced during this the 10 years, honestly, were more personal. Um, my mother had Alzheimer's disease and I lost her in the last 10 years. But at the same time, having Tucker Tweed Equestrian gave me a distraction from that. You know, and then you have women who are so wonderful and so encouraging that I met along the way that encouraged me through that journey with her. You know, so there have been like my personal wife life has woven through Tucker Tweed and sometimes people knew it and sometimes they didn't. Something interesting happened to me on a plane a few years ago where I had that aha moment, like, I'm so glad I did this. I was flying to New Jersey, spend a weekend with an aunt who was in very poor health. And as it turned out, it was my last weekend with her. And I kind of suspected that on the way up, that this may be my last time with her. 
And I flew from Charlotte. I, I live just north of Charlotte, North Carolina. I flew from Charlotte to New Jersey. And on the flight, I carried my overnight bag, which you know I have now. And I tucked it in above me, above my seat. And I probably had my backpack or my James River with me because I always carry one or the other when I fly. And as it turns out, there was a woman sitting beside me who just happened to see that I had a horse on my luggage that went in the overhead and a horse on whatever purse I had at my feet. She started talking to me about horses. She was a horsewoman. She'd grown up riding. She had fox hunted. Her daughter was riding. We spent the entire time talking about horses. It completely changed my day and the beginning of that trip. And it's one of those kind of things that made me realize horses are such a love for humans, whether you are showing in a premier arena around the world or you have a story of coming off a horse as you know, on a trip with your kid uh, when you were a child with your parents, mm-hmm. you know, if that's your only experience, horses just bring people together. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that. And I love that you have created something um, like that, that is such a conversation starter and such a bond. I think you know, as you were telling that story, it makes me think about both of us are Christians. And I think that that's also very similar with the idea of something like wearing a cross or like having something where you can like instantly identify with someone and it could be a complete stranger that you've never seen or known before, but kind of seeing a symbol can just open up this world of conversation. And I think that that's so cool that you've created something like your bags where it has this logo where like what you were saying, whether this person's an avid equestrian or she's, you know, ridden on a trail ride in Mexico one time in her life. It just is that kind of like bond and that logo that just really like represents um, so many of us and past memories or just like our entire lifestyle that you can bond over. So yeah. cool. And you know, it's what I like too, is that it's nice for you and I, because, and, and many other women who are obsessed with horses that when we're out of the barn and we're dealing with like doldrums of life, maybe you're in line somewhere at a grocery store and you look down and you see a horse and it's like, ah, that's the thing that gives yeah. me joy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that's so cool. What would you say, because you've had, you know, specific colors, specific products, and you also have a range of different not logos, because you have the Tucker Tweet logo, but you have uh, like different styles of what would you, what do you call them? Your um, embossing, yeah, embossing discipline, and we they're yes. disciplines. We just have different disciplines. Yeah. How do you? How did you decide upon like which ones you were going to do? I believe you have like dressage, jumping. You have just like a horse head. You have fox hunting, like a fox. We do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you? Um, how, what was the first one that you had and how do you kind of go about adding or deciding what you want to do with those? So we debuted December 9th of 2011 with um, the Hunter and we call it the HJ. It's Hunter Jumper. It really covers both and dressage. And the reason I started with those two is that's what I was doing at the time. I had done a little bit of dressage, grew up showing hunters, loved hunters, really my love, absolute love at the end of the day is jumping. So I started with those two because those were the two that I was doing. And then um, we had some riders in Virginia and a store in Florida that said, hey, you should add on fox hunting. I thought I should. I grew up fox hunting. That's something I did in my teens and into my early 20s. So then we added a fox face and we had an 
artists create that who actually revise that face 26 times just to get it right. You're kidding. Wow. No, I mean, I was dreaming about foxes. That took about a week to uh, to get that just right. But then um, I had, you know, another discipline option that we have is one that my friend Jody Beams asked me to do. She said, Jill, I love your purses, but I'm not horsey. But if you'll put your logo on the front, I'll carry it done. That was an easy one. So then we have our signatures and option. And then the final one was polo. Um, Jennifer Sims on the West Coast, she is the one who said, you know, Jill, you really need to do polo because she was actually in the jumping world and just swapped to polo with like within the last five years and yeah. is now a phenomenal polo player. She was the one who said, hey, you should do polo. So we collaborated on that. Zinta, uh, actually, Zinta is also a professional polo player and a model, beautiful girl. Zinta helped me create the logo. I went to her because she was a professional and I wanted to be sure I got it right. So that last one that we added was polo. So that so cool. we have those five. But again, you know, I mentioned earlier, you have women who say, hey, Jill, what about this? And I listen. And then ultimately they usually end up in our line. Totally. I think it's su- you You do such a nice job of, I think there's so much to be said about the dynamic of you as an equestrian and what you feel like you need personally, and then creating uh-huh. a product for that, because I think it just becomes so relatable and like humanizes the brand because you've been able to fill your own needs. And you know that there's other people in this industry that feel the same way as you, but then also pulling from other people and other disciplines. I just think that's so, such been such a smart business move for you to really listen and then execute it because I mean I think that that's what really creates that kind of brand trust and it has people like come back for more speaking of I know you have some new projects in the pipeline for this year is there any that we can talk about today absolutely I have had one it's funny I I have in my mind probably three designs that I haven't even put down on paper yet. And then probably two or three others that are literally on paper, just waiting to go. Hmm. Uh, But in the back of my mind for probably the last five years has been um, a clutch that you could take to weddings and cocktail parties and maybe a, a special date night. And I knew I wanted it shaped like an envelope. And I knew that I wanted it to be quite different, very upscale. And so we have been working on a prototype for like the last eight months. And hopefully by the time you hear this, um, we will have debuted this. If not, it's just delayed in arriving here. But we do have a new style. It's now called the Cordistar Clutch. I'm very excited about it. It is an um, exotic skin clutch that has a gold logo on it. It comes in snakeskin and ostrich. Now, of course, this is leather that is embossed to look like snakeskin or ostrich. True ostrich and snakeskin would be extremely expensive, mm-hmm. like several thousand dollars a bag. But I named this after my new horse, Cordistar. His mm-hmm. bar name is Corey. His show name is EWSZ Cordistar. He's behind me, my favorite redhead. But um, so, but this, this is such a beautiful piece. It has a zipper on the back. It comes with a shoulder strap that is a mini curb chain. You're kidding. I, no, I sent a picture of the curb chain from my friend Elizabeth's bit uh, from her bridle, her horse Romeo. She's showing well up in the levels and dressage. And I took the curb chain off her bridle and put it out in the sun and sent a picture to my manufacturer. And I said, find me this. And she did. And it's a mini one. So we oh, have a, a gold chain, gold curb chain strap, our logo in gold. Some of the logos will be finished in gunmetal. 
So we can get a really sleek look. We're going to do a solid black ostrich with gunmetal, but a beautiful, very soft interior. And um, you've got pockets inside for your credit cards, but just such a sleek accessory. And you know what I wanted, Bethany, I wanted to fill that need of, I need an upscale special purse to take to like a wedding. My niece is getting married in May and I won't be there. And I wanted something to carry that was mine, that was equestrian, um, that would fit uh, that style. So now we have it. And uh, the cool thing about this is it will be debuting when we announce it. It'll be announced uh, probably early April. The photos and videos will be revealed, but um, we will be announcing and revealing at the same time that it's shipping to our retail partners. Uh-huh. So people can go right into tax stores and find them. We're not waiting. We're not We're not saying, oh, we're taking orders for the fall. No, it's going to be available the day we debut it. Amazing. Wow. That is so exciting. It's stunning. And it's Thank perfect you. timing too, because I feel like so I feel like it's right at the start of wedding season. You know, summer travel and weddings and oh, that's yes. Oh gosh. Yes. We're very excited. I'm, I'm just so excited about this one. It's just so special. And the curb chain is just next level. That is brilliant. Isn't it? Yeah. It is. And it just, and again, it feels like home. You see that and it's like, mm-hmm. you're used to seeing that in a tack yep. room. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. Well, tell me if you had to pick an area of the industry that you're super passionate about, that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about, what would you say that would be? Well, interestingly, you know, I have a different take because I'm in a really unique place in the equestrian world. And something that I appreciate, I want to highlight is something that's probably overlooked because we've all visited them in our lifetime and that's tax stores. I feel like we need to, I really want to draw your listeners attention back to tax stores. And here's why in our area, we've had three tax stores open and close in the last 12 years. There are no tax stores in my area right now. And I really want to encourage riders and their families and their loved ones to support their local tax store. And the reason, it's not even about me. Even if you've got a tax store that doesn't carry Tucker Tweed Equestrian, it's not about me. It's that you get such an education when you walk into a tax store. And without them, you're losing that knowledge. You know, the people in there, they know why this bit works a certain way for horses and where it hits the roof of their mouth. They can show you uh, what type of girth you need because there's different types of girths for different purposes. They can show you how to properly fit a helmet. You can't get that online. You know, you, you just learn so much. And how about a, how about doing a demonstration with an air vest, which I happen to ride in an air vest. You know, you, you can't do that online. And, and while there's definitely a time and a place for online shopping. I do think at the same time, we definitely have to support our local tax stores. Yeah, I feel like that is such a good one. And I think that is a really good point. I think that's maybe what people sometimes forget about is the knowledge that tax stores have on products. And it's just like another another kind of like opinion and um, voice to be able to ask questions to if maybe you feel like um, you want another opinion or have talked to a trainer or a barn friend or a vet. Um, I think it's just like as much information as you can collect about horse, um, horse tack or products or apparel. I think is definitely like worth considering. And I think that they're, they've been an amazing asset for us over the years and should continue to be highlighted like that. Yeah, 
Thank you. Yeah, I, I, do, you need to know that I even spent like nine months in a chair at our local tax store. For six months, I was sitting in her chair, another three after we had our first prototype, just interviewing her about what the equestrian world was like from her side of the fence, because I didn't know that side. I only knew the riding side. Right. So, um, so I miss that. And I think there, there could be another woman out there like me who wants to start a business and she needs that local tax store to go sit down and talk to and get that education. So I have a heart for them. That's such a good point. Well, Jill, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat. I think Tucker Tweet Equestrian is amazing. You've been one of my favorites for years, and I wish you all the best. Thank you, and likewise. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast, and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you next week.